Imagine, if you will, a black and white apartment in the 1960s, a leather dossier full of information and photographs and all the agents at your fingertips. That's us, the agents of cool today, as we assemble our spy movie fantasy draft. Good morning, and welcome back to the Agents of Cool. I am uh, Eric, your grumpy number six, joined as always by... Stacy. And Ray. Now, before uh, we did an episode, which was sort of our um, ultimate Star Trek movie or episode fantasy draft. And uh, that was like a dry run for a fantasy draft better suited to the actual content of our podcast. Today, we're doing uh, a spy movie fantasy draft. Now, the rules are going to be similar to last time. We have our categories. Uh, the actors and the characters are not time-locked. Uh, we can pick, or for that matter, dead or alive, right? Uh, we can pick, um, let's see, from all across the history of the 60s spy movie subgenre, all those shows in the 60s, all of their spinoffs, all of the remake movies. Uh, you can pick from any of these. Um, we are allowed, in the course of the draft, one substitution, so that if you change your mind, you can go back Pick, uh, uh, pick one to replace or change if you want to. And uh, like before, we are allowed one draft pick from outside the genre. Uh, so, for example, if you want Reese Witherspoon from Legally Blonde, uh, you could pick her from one of these categories. Though I seriously doubt any of us would actually pick her. If we are ready to go, we're going to start with... Ray, you're on the spot. You start. Who is the hero of your movie? Who is your star? I mean, there's always the temptation to pick, you know, pick a Bond. I mean, that's just right out of the gate. Or you can grab a Tom Cruise. And this may be just because we watched The Sting, but I'm going with Robert Redford from Sneakers. Ooh. Ooh. I did Ooh. not see that. I did not see... Oh, that's a left-field pick straight out of the gate. Strong work. Yeah. All right, Stacy, your turn. If he counts, I would like uh, Harry Tasker from True Lies. He does count because that is straight up a Bond film. Now, for me, my favorite in the genre is always going to be the Roger Moore 007. And we are out of the gate with some strong, strong choices from Ray and Stacey here. Mm-hmm. Who's your villain? I'll go first for villain. Uh, and my choice, and there's some, there's some strong contenders in this category. This, I, I had to give this a lot of thought, but I'm going to go with uh, Silva from Skyfall. Ooh. Good. Roger Moore versus Silva? Because I think Roger Moore versus Silva would have been a really interesting thing to watch. Oh, my goodness. Somebody's writing these down, right? Of course. That someone's not me, right? All right, so, Stacy, villain. All right. Um, just for the sake of the name we all loved, I'm going to pull Ellipsis Zark. <laughs> the man from oh, God, I think. Really Oh, that is hilarious. Arnold Schwarzenegger versus Ellipsis Zark. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. That's I a thing of beauty. The wrong time to take a drink there. Oh my god, you're gonna kill me. <laughs> we are a video podcast. Would that have come out your nose right there? Uh, yeah. Oh, this is the reason we're not. Uh... Okay, so Ray, uh, we we need to unpack that one for people who just came to the. Um, um, yeah. So Ellipsis Zark is a. Blofeld-esque villain from a Men from Uncle episode reviewed, uh, which seems like a million lifetimes ago, 
Uh, yeah, I believe just the best name. Yes, it was written, it was, I believe, by Harlan Ellison. Harlan Ellison. That was what it was. We decided to do a Harlan Ellison episode because Harlan had recently passed. And if I remember correctly, Ellipsis Zark was a Blofeld-esque villain who came from the world of New York publishing. That's right. Yes, oh, I was still, uh, that's right. And leave it to Harlan Ellison to see someone from New York publishing as a James Bond-esque villain. Yeah, I think yes. and I, I think I think his hinge, his his woman was a literary critic. So yeah. Oh, good point. Uh, if you look up Theo Marcuse on Wikipedia, his main picture is still his credit as Ellipsis Zark. If you want to know what Ellipsis Zark looks like, and see the name Ellipsis Zark in all its glory. Theodore Marcuse also was in uh, some episodes of Star Trek. Yes. So, yeah, of course, we've discussed where there was a bit of that you know, overlap between, you know, Mission Impossible and Star Trek there. Uh-huh. Episode of Man from Uncle. I may need to slightly modify some of the stuff toward the end of my thing in order to make that make sense. All right. Hey, villain. Villain. Haha. <laughs> okay. Well, we've got Bishop from Hack... You know, we've got B- Bishop from Sneakers, so... There's always the temptation to, you know, do something rather large and leverage-esque like Mark Zuckerberg or whatnot, but uh, I've torn here. Do I want to go businessman or do I want to go maniac with a volcano? Well, okay. If you're, you know, if you're going over Bishop, as our, we're going to go with, uh, I think we'll just go with the CIA. You know, some, oh, the, the CIA. Just, you know, the some, CIA. Some, 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 you know, so, you know, basically, you, you, okay, you see them in every spy movie. You basically, there's the, you know, there's, there's sort of the, you know, I mean, they, they have names, but basically they have more, you know, they're, they're more of an archetype. So you've got, you know, you've got the guy back in the boardroom at, you know, at Langley who's trying to hide something, who's trying to bury something, and that may include our protagonist. Okay. Ray has selected the CIA. All right. Now, Stacy. Uh, yeah. So since we're taking turns going uh, first, who's your who's your lead henchman? All right. Since uh, kind of a deal with uh, Mr. Tasker is that he gets entangled in stuff that weirds out his wife, we're going to go with Xenia on a top from GoldenEye. That's a good call. <laughs> All right. That also irks me a little bit because I was going to go with Xenia. Odd job. He's always a very good henchman pick. You can rely on odd job you can count on. Ray, who's your chief henchman? Chief henchman. Okay. Could have Red Grant. Oh, so once again pitting uh, Robert Redford against Robert Shaw. Mm-hmm. Very good. So that's our hero, our villain, our henchman. Yes. All right, now who's your spy chief? Who's giving the orders? Uh, I'm going to go with James Earl Jones. Ooh. Now, whether Ooh. now crucially, whether it's James Earl Jones from the various Tom Clancy movies or the James Earl Jones from Sneakers, it doesn't really matter. James Earl Jones <laughs> comes out of his shadow and says, "I need, you know, I need a favor." <laughs> oh well, right, he is. Red, well, technically, Hunt for Red October took place before Sneakers. I'm just he could saying. be the same guy. <laughs> he could be the same guy. I don't remember the guy in Sneakers ever getting a name. All right, Stacy, villain. No, no, no. Sorry, Spy Chief. Uh, Spy Chief. Spy Chief. Oh uh, well. Uh, since I have kind of established that we are uh, that for our good guy team we are going true lies here presumably uh, Charlton Heston as Spencer Trilby okay good and for my spy chief I'm going to pick Alexander Waverly oh not but it's going to be the, but the Hugh Grant Grant Alexander Waverly yes I like it because I thought he was a very I thought that was a really interesting take on the spy chief right there yeah that's true. You're not wrong. All right now, who's your love interest? 
well, uh, my guy's kind of married, so Helen, obviously. So Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. All right, Ray, who's your love interest? Oh, man. See, I'm terrible at those. I'm terrible. Well, while you're thinking, I'm going to go ahead and say Ilsa Faust. Well, wait a minute. I'm doing, okay, hold it. I'm doing, if we're using, if we're, hold it. If we're using Bishop from Sneakers here, and we don't want him to wind up in, you know, San Francisco Bay, then there's only one choice, right? Mary McDonald. McDonald, that's right. Reprising her role. All right, and now we move into the part where the hero has a team. And these days, even Bond has a team. So I, I feel like uh, this is not breaching uh, either Bond or Mission as a format. For, this, for the sake of argument, we're breaking down team to your disguise person, your tech person, and your muscle slash killer, right? Okay. They don't necessarily have to be a killer, but, you know, they're the muscle. They're the people that uh, do the rough stuff. So for, um, so for my disguise person, since we're not time-locked, I'm going to go with Artemis Gordon. I like it. And how we get Artemis Gordon from the Wild Wild West to whatever period this story is. I don't know. Well, we're, I'll worry about the logic of it later. But for my disguise guy, I'm picking Artie Gordon. Giant yeah. steampunk freeze tube. Yeah, sure. Why not? Giant I mean, steampunk it freeze certainly tube. Exactly. Worked. All right, Ray, disguise person. No, it's infiltrator or disguise person. So this could be the sneaky ninja type, right? Oh, well, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Okay. So right. The point right. Is so yeah, this is yeah. This is, so this this you, you we we can go disguise person. Or we can go sneaky ninja type, right? So we we, we you know we can have basically okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. In that case, for sneaky ninja types, I've so tempted to use my Joker here. We're gonna use Snake Eyes from the GI Joe movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because just the absolute incongruity of just you know just James Earl Jones deposits Snake Eyes on your doorstep, and he's like, he. You got to take this guy with you. And that's not a million miles away anyway, since a lot of those cartoon episodes were basically 22-minute James Bond movies. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, Stacy, infiltrator slash disguise. All right. Since you've mentioned that we can do ninja-type person, I have swapped this person over from the muscle. Uh, we are, of course, a slight, technically still within universe, but slight departure, uh, bringing back Eliza Dusku as an older Dana Tasker as part of the family unit. Woohoo. And uh, I have no problem with more Eliza Dushku, ever. <laughs> Indeed. Going with the cube, keeping with the heroes team here, who's your tech person? Oh. There's a lot of ways, you know, a lot of different definitions of tech person. This could be a gadget person. This could be your hacker person. Uh, so who's your tech guy? Ray, your turn. Who's your tech guy? Okay. Um, Justin Long from Die Hard 4. <laughs> I like it. We're walking the line on spy movie there. That's kind of an action picture, isn't it? <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I'm trying, how many? Ha- okay. okay, how many? Okay, we yeah. Okay, we, we're okay. Technically, but there in terms of like hackers for spy movies, there's not a lot. You've got I'm Invincible, but he's a popsicle. Uh, and then you've got okay, but just a, okay. We, okay, okay. Just we could go Q from allow. the Bond. We could go the Q from the recent round of Bond movies, who's really good. But that's no, no that's all right. You're putting together an interesting thing here. So Justin Long from Die Hard Four. That's fine. Uh, mostly just the incongruity of you know okay you know of again the characters dealing with. There's the quiet guy in the ski mask. What does he do? He mostly sits and waits. Mostly sits and waits. All right, Stacy, who's your tech guy? My tech guy. Uh, well, once again, I am already supplied with one. Uh, Tom Arnold as Gib, the guy in the van. Okay, you guy in the van. 
All right, and for my tech guy, I'm going to go with Benji Dunn from Modern Mission. Makes sense. Good call. That one's kind of for my kid because she loves Simon Pegg as Benji. All right. As all good people should. All right, now on your team for who's your muscle slash your killer? I'll go first. Okay. okay. I have snake eyes. I'm done. You're not wrong. I mean, what, what, am, I, what am I going to do to top that? It's like, okay, wh- wh- where did he go? He got tired of waiting. You know, sounds Three-man of... <laughs> team. Three-man team. you got to have somebody else in there. All right, so I've back myself in a corner. I have no flipping clue what to use here. Uh, I'll go ahead and do this category. Yeah. Our, my uh, muscle is going to be Wei Lin from Tomorrow Never Dies. Ooh. Oh, damn. That's good. I like that. You got Michelle freaking Yo in there. Because if you if she's in your genre, you go with Michelle Yo. That's All right, Stacey, who's, your, who's, your, who's your muscle on the team? Uh, I was going to point out that I already had Arnold Schwarzenegger, but you said it has to be someone else. So now I have to find someone who counts as the muscle for Arnold Schwarzenegger. The muscle or the, the muscle or, or the, the killer. killer. That's fair. We are bringing in Lorraine Broughton from Atomic Blonde. Ooh. Charlize? Yep. Ooh. Okay, now wait, you can use, okay, you can use leads from other movies. Okay, wait a minute here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. All right, fine. That'll be just fine. Okay, fine. Okay, then I'm going to bring in... Uh-huh. I'm going to bring in Michael Bryce, played, you know, from The Hitman's Bodyguard, played by Ryan Reynolds. Oh, my goodness. That, that will be fun. So we that have our infiltrator, we have our tech guy, and we have our muscles slash killer. Yes. All right, now there's the question of setting. Right. There's the question of what exotic foreign city or country does the film take place in. And for the sake of argument, I don't think we need to limit ourselves here to settings from specifically from films. Right. I think we could look at the actual world. Like, where in the world would you actually set your ultimate spy film? All right, who's going first on that? Okay, Stacey, you go first on this one. Where sure, in the world sure. would you set a city, a country? What exotic locale do you set your spy film in? All right. Uh, because of the lair I have picked, which will come next, uh, I am constrained to go with northern Italy. All right, Northern Italy. Ray, where where's your where's your spy movie set? What exotic locale? What uh, what foreign country? What city? Let's go for Singapore. Oh, you got the giant Ferris wheel. You got the funny hotel that looks like you know it's three buildings with a boat on top. You've got an F one race there. It's a you know, I like it. It's bustling. There's all kinds of commerce moving through there. The local government is not quite as authoritarian as the one in Hong Kong. It'll be great. All right, then. I'm going to go with Greece. Greece. Ooh. Uh, because I think all that, all that Mediterranean, all the Mediterranean, the Mediterranean and the architecture, and the, I, I guess what I'm thinking is, if I was making an Ultimate Spy movie, like, what country would I like to take a vacation in? And that would be Greece, because there's, like, history, and there's beautiful water, and I like Greek food. So, yeah, Greece. Right, now, so, uh, now, uh, now we go to, back to the villain's lair. And for the villain's lair, we're picking from classic lairs and spy movies, right? Here's where I am inserting my uh, Joker pick. So I am not picking from the spy genre. The the monastery with a famous library from The Name of the Rose, which is in Italy. Oh. Because that, going with the whole uh, Zark is a book publisher thing. That's a real, that's an interesting call right there. And I gave I gave this significant thought, but um, I ended up with a, a mobile lair. I'm going with the Laparis Super Tanker from Spy Who Loved Me. Oh my! No one picked the Volcano. So now I'm imagining uh, Javier Bardem as Raúl Silva, 
in, in charge of the super tanker. <laughs> yes. All right, Ray, villain's lair. Wait, so does yours end with basically a climactic fight on the super tanker as it careens left and right through the Suez Canal ends up getting parked sideways? <laughs> we could do that. We could do that, no lie. How do you know that isn't what happened? I Maybe it is. Okay, for just because the visuals, obviously, I don't think you, I don't think you can shoot there, and you certainly want to want to blow the place up. But what I'd want is some. What I'd want is basically you know something like Angor Wat, but more overgrown. That's over over in Cambodia, of course. But uh, right, right, right. But you know, just some sort of you know some sort of you know just out in the middle, you know, some sort of giant out in the middle of nowhere, uh, you know, overgrown ruins that has you know basically a giant hijack base underneath because you're never going to look there. Well, we'll start with Angor Wat and have Ken Adam uh, and have Ken Adam spruce it up a little bit. Yeah, and if you can put it in Malaysia, somewhere in Malaysia, somewhere. What's your MacGuffin? What's everybody after? A book with coded text. All right, Stacey's MacGuffin is a coded book. Uh-huh. Okay, Ray, do you have your MacGuffin? Yes. What is it? Satoshi Nakamoto's uh, Bitcoin password. Okay. Okay, Several, that's good. No, a large chunk of Bitcoin, which is astronomically valued right now, is uh, tied up. You know, is tied up in you know is owned by the anonymous creator of Bitcoin. Nobody knows who that is. If he were to cash that out, it would be um, the anonymous creator of Bitcoin, who everyone knows his name. No, no, it's it's a it's a not it, it's the name is not his real name. It's oh okay okay okay. So obviously, if you you know. Yeah, and the, you know, there, 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 there's you know, there's stories of people who you know have what would be millions or more in Bitcoin who lost the dang password to their Bitcoin wallet, so they literally cannot oh, right. redeem or get those, right? Oh, that is the kind of thing that you would get Snake Eyes and uh, Bishop for. Yes, that works. You know, so basically, we you know we you know we, we need to obtain this to you know either stop world financial markets from destabilizing or you know and or you know to basically stop them from having a you know, ultra super black fund for uh, funding operate you know, operations for by rogue CIA element because at least somewhat constrained by occasionally Congress opens up the lid and wants to know where the money is going every you know decade or two you get a Frank Church that comes along but with this utterly untraceable of course you need some you know yeah there you go all right I have my MacGuffin number six oh, oh. oh. So they're, they're they're all looking for six. Like, what is he? What did there's people still want to know? What do, what do you know? Why did you resign? Well, in that case, don't you want to make the lair the village? I thought about it. I thought about it, but I prefer. But but see, now I'm so amused by the thought of Silva driving around in the Laparis, scouring the world for Patrick McGowan. <laughs> I like it. Perhaps he's already escaped from the village, and now everyone right. is after him. So that lines us up, hero, villain, our henchman, our spy chief, our love interest, the hero's team, the setting, the lair, the MacGuffin. Now, uh, this is the part where, um, Stacey, I know you don't particularly enjoy this part, but we get into uh, the, like the behind the scenes stuff a little bit here. Right, 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 right. So who's, so uh, we'll save you for last on this one. So Ray, who's directing this for you? Um, anybody I can get, at this point, given the script I'm dropping on their lap, anybody I can get, um, oh god, who would be good Who for directed this? Sneakers? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, the guy's name is Phil Alden Robinson. Yeah, I think I'd want, wow. I'd want, I'd, I'd, I'd want a bit more action, I think I'd want, ah, uh, okay, a bit true. more, I mean, I mean, no, 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 you know, I mean, I thought about, I mean, I thought about going, you know, just absolute, just, you know, 
people chasing down, you know, people chasing down dark alleyways and, you know, a nice, good, solid, you know, John LeCure, our pot boiler. Uh, I don't know if there's been a lot of film adaptations of Ludlum. Um, you know, something like Aquitaine is the opposition. I was tempted, but I didn't know if we wanted to go, you know, how far we wanted to go literary or not. But who would be a good, just solid, you know, but I mean, if, if we're going to, if we're going to the expense of blowing up, you know, blowing up ruins in the middle of a jungle, we want, you know, I want somebody competent who can also direct human beings. So Michael Bay is ruled out. Uh, yeah. Guy Ritchie might be a good one for this. Hmm. He is solid, no lie. Yeah, I mean, you can't... Yeah, let's go Guy Ritchie. I don't, I, I don't follow the directors super closely, so... If he was... If he did do The Man from Uncle Reboot. Yeah, so... And that had... So we, and, and a... And a and a, I don't know, a couple of dozen other really good movies besides. Yeah. Uh-huh. So let's right. go with Guy Ritchie. Stacey's going to give you a minute yet. I'm oh, going to go, go with my wild card pick outside the spy genre per se. Okay. And I think, and because I think he's due for a comeback, I'm going to go with John McTiernan. Oh, I like it. John McTiernan's due a comeback. I think he did, he actually, poor guy did some time. He got involved in like a, a, sh- a wiretapping scheme with a shady private eye and uh-huh. ended up doing a little time. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, he's paid his debt to society. All right. And I and I think I think a brother's due for a comeback. I do. All right. All right. Very good. Very good. Very good. Um. Hmm. Well, I'm just gonna keep James Cameron. I think so. That's easy enough. Well, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. That's that's you can't really go wrong there. No, you can't. Unless you walk in front of the uh, a fan on set with a bunch of scripts, but you know, or or you know, have your cell phone go off. There was a there was a story in the set of Avatar where I don't know if this is true or not, but if your phone went off, he would uh, take a nail gun and put it onto a wall. Okay, that I don't know if that's true. I that seems like it would be hard to do without. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But it's based on what we know about Jim Cameron, it sure is believable. Yeah, I don't know. I did. Yeah, no. I'm just. Um, yeah, look up uh, lithium-ion battery fire on YouTube. They're exciting. Do you think James Cameron knows or cares about lithium? And if the the whole wall of phones just burst into flame, would that not please him even more? I, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fair. I just that that. There's no objection you're coming up with to this plan that would actually bother him. <laughs> There's no variation on this that actually disturbs him. <laughs> Now, oh, the theme Lord, song we could actually on this one. Say again. I said I got nothing on this one, and I've been looking. <laughs> I'm actually kind of tempted to to just say uh, we we could go with like a like spy themes. If we could say uh-huh. the, the 007 theme or the mission theme or the uncle theme right, or right, something right. like that. Uh, I'm right. tempted to just let this category slide because if it's a Bond right. movie, you'd have the Bond theme. If it's right. a, a True Lies thing, you just have the True Lies music. Well, I I thought you meant more like the over credits. Yeah, I mean normally, yeah, I mean it's a bond, if it's a Bond movie, you'd basically you basically you get some sort of bespoke song for that one, and you know they, they've had, and they're kind of the gold standard. I mean they're kind of the gold standard there. Uh, so so mine so my so I'm basically putting together a Bond film here in a lot of ways. Yeah. So for, I guess my theme song would be like a the, the bespoke title tune or the 007 theme or something like that. Well, that's an interesting thing because nobody talks about like the Fast and the. You know, there's been like nine Fast and the Furious movies. Nobody talks about the Fast and the Furious song, right? It's that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's almost something unique. Unique. Just all this unique cachet of the Bond movies is okay. You've got you've got who's going to be playing James Bond and who's going to be the leading lady and who's going to you know be the the villain, but also 
what's the you know who's gonna sing the song over the title credits? Because like you know, mm-hmm. some movies you get like the song at the end, right? You get like uh, you know Titanic or uh, you know Battling or whatever. You know, there's some song they sing over the end credits or The Shadow, which had actually, frankly, that's uh, just absolutely great song for any number of spy movies there, but. Mm-hmm. But the bomb movie's like, nope, yes, we have a song, and you're going to listen to the song before the movie starts, and it will go up in the charts, because we are at the James Bond franchise. But they're like the only movie that I can think of that does that. I mean, you know, nobody talks about the Mission Impossible song, right? Yeah, but there's a Mission Impossible theme. Well, no, there, yeah, there's a theme, but, and, you know, you, and, I mean, it's, it's iconic, and you, it wouldn't be Mission Impossible without it, but it's just, to me, it was something I thought was like, wow, I mean, I can't think of any, nobody ever talks about the song over the Godzilla credits. The opening credits of Godzilla movie. Who's going to sing the new Godzilla song? I just it's but the James Bond song they do. That's yeah, and that's, that's just, just it's kind of one of those it, it's just, yeah, it's just one of those things about just like like you know like like the gun like like the, the you know the gun barrel opening and everything. It's like that's mm-hmm. uh and you know you, you I mean I mean that's the thing you know you have to to me I had to sort of step back and think about it because otherwise I'm like it's just that's part of James Bond. You've got the gun barrel opening. There'll be a song and this crazy number of people on trampolines or uh, like the one from Casino Royale that was just mind blowing and. Yeah, no, there's. I can't think of another movie franchise out there that has that. No, um, I would love it if Skyfall, if like Adele had done the theme to Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, that would have. Um, can you imagine like? Can you imagine her just Godzilla versus Kong? <laughs> <laughs> Which is about the only thing that could have made that movie better. I mean, Mothra. Okay, Mothra has a song. That's true. So you do have the very very the Mothra song. Um, There's like two different Mothra songs, I think. But yeah, of course. I never also. Do you know the Blob has a song? Yes, it has lyrics. Yes. Did you have you seen the? Did you know this, Eric? I did not know this. Okay, I'd never seen the Blob until I think a year or two back, and then I was just I was rather you know I, I. seen the little pictures in the blob and like oh, this is gonna be scary and you know i'd seen i think the remake which is you know but then it's like beware of the blob do 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 like <laughs> the <Yeah>. hell <laughs> it is a very jaunty song it's for, a... you're about to be eaten by this cranberry sauce yes. yeah i i just I, which I, is I... only the color of cranberry sauce because it has so much blood inside it i that yeah indeed the all right Lord. so uh and finally uh title uh, oh, good! I got to skip the theme song. I actually have a title. Uh, read it and weep. All right, Ray, you got a title? Not really. That's I'm. I barely have a plot. You've obviously got one, Eric. Well, I stole one from an old John Carter on an old John Gardner Bond novel. I'm going with No Deals, Mister Bond. Oh, Ooh. I love that title. No Deals, Mister B. Hmm. It's your butt crick. I suppose Wages of Sin would work. Ooh. Oh, that's good. Oh, oh. That or clearing oh. the ledger, but that might be tipping oh. your hand too much. Both of those sound really good. So, um, I hope that we as a team have put an image of uh, perhaps impossible, but nonetheless super cool spy movies in the heads of our audience today. Uh, I would encourage those members of our audience to uh, play this game uh, at home uh, with your family, with your friends. And if you come up with super cool spy movie drafts of your own, uh, please feel free to email us. Uh, For example, my email address is number six, all lowercase, at agentsof.cool. 
Ray, what would your email address be? Uh, it is rayofagents.cool. Now, bear in mind when you do that, the be, be very careful. If you're planning on actually optioning this script and you mail it to us, the ghost of Harlan Ellis will rise from his graves and tell you you are a dumbass. So be very careful. <laughs> Yeah. Don't do yeah, stuff on spending. Not... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. They, they, get the deal signed up front, kid. That. That's. Harlan, alive or dead, is not to be messed with. Okay. It's true. And Stacy, your email, please. Uh, I am uh, Mrs. Peel, uh, all lowercase, no period, at agentsof.cool. So, and and again, I do sincerely encourage you to play along at home, come up with your own fantasy spy drafts. And then once you've done that, email them to us, and we'll uh, read them on a future show. Uh, cool. I hope you've—I really hope you've enjoyed uh, listening to our show today, uh, as much as we've enjoyed uh, producing it for you. I really hope and, the uh, in editing the large amount of the um uh crap gets cut out. <laughs> uh, so, so actually, the uh, there, there was a certain amount of uh, I don't know what am I going to do? Damn, she picked mine. Uh, some uh, yeah, you're definitely getting the edited version of the show, but that's okay. And, uh, and yeah, hope you enjoyed this as well. And your agents of cool will be back soon. <laughs>